Got Your Back Podstream is brought to you by Kinprint. For all your company's promotional needs, they do it all. Apparel, promotional products, using the highest quality brands. They do logo design, signage, and printing. Kinprint will promote your brand with excellence. Visit kinprint.ca. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to uh, Got Your Back, brought to you by Sherwood Buick GMC. They have an extensive lineup of new and pre-owned vehicles ready to find new home today, and they want to show you why they're the number one volume GMC dealer in the country. Mention that on your Got Your Back podcast sent you, and you'll receive a specialized pricing and three free ultimate detail packages on new or used vehicles. Visit Phil and the crew in Short Park or online at www.gmcpod.com. Welcome inside the pod tonight. I'm Jason Strudwick, and I am the hostess with the mostest. I'm coming to you from the Longshot Studio out here in Edmonton. It's more than just golf. It's a sports destination. Longshots has locations on Stony Plain Road and in Short Park. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing? I'd like to welcome my good buddy, Rob Brown. who will be holding my hand for the next hour as we uh, break down a 3-1 loss. Islanders take the orders. Uh, Come back by a stormy back from one uh, nothing to make it three one and win the game. Brownie, good evening. I see today you're wearing a different hat to, to, to kind of change things up a bit. Well, whatever it takes, Struz, to get this thing going in the right direction. I, <laughs> I, whatever it goes, but I do have my Kinprint mug right. on me, though it's filled with only water and vodka very, very, and orange very juice. Classy. Thank you. Very classy. Very classy. We also have Zuby with us tonight. Zuby, you are uh, going to try to keep this thing on the rails. Am I off to a good start the first 45 seconds? I'd say it's one of the best. One of the best we've seen yeah, so yeah. far. And uh, and I didn't flip Brownie's shot either, so the Kinprint mug was backwards. So one big error so far, and it's on me. So you're doing great, Strads. So far, one for one. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, well, let's get into it. Let's get time for the breakdown. The breakdown is brought to you by Mr. Dirk, just off White Avenue and 102 Street. Mr. Dirk has everything you need for every aspect of your wardrobe, both casual and formal wear. They'll help you elevate your wardrobe. Visit mrdirk.com. 3-1 loss, their third loss in a row. Tampa, Florida, and now the Islanders, the East Coast teams have not been... Um, Fair, are very, very kind to the orders. Brownie, uh, your overarching thoughts as you look back on uh, the last 60 minutes. Well, I, I thought the Oilers had a nice start to the game. They scored on their second shift of the game. They they make a line change, and, and Leon gets uh, a, a different line mate tonight, and he responds with a goal early in the hockey game. And then for the next probably 10 minutes, the Oilers dominated. A number of good chances, a number of good looks, unable to extend the lead, and we we found uh, over the course of uh, this season when the Oilers play well and a goaltender in the opposition keeps their team in it, that other team starts to find their energy, starts to find their legs. And as the game went on, the Islanders got better and better. So the, the Oilers were the better team in the first 10 minutes. They couldn't extend that one nothing lead. The Islanders took over. And when they had their push in the second period, they pop in three. I think that's one of the problems when the Oilers have lost games. When they've had their push, when they've been the better team, they get one goal. When the opposition has their push, they're getting multiple goals. And the Oilers, as they have in most of their losses, had to chase a game and 
when you're playing against teams with great goaltending, and Sorokin is a great goaltender. Uh, you have to be perfect from then on in, and the Oilers just weren't able to solve them in the third period. Yeah, and I think it should be pointed out there was a, I, I can't, I want to say midway through the first, uh, Cody Ceci jumped in from the point and took a shot, and it got by Sorokin, but I believe it hit Hyman, and otherwise it was going in the net. So, you know, to get into that next goal, I think would have really made a difference. And let's get to the Weiss Johnson soundbox to hear from uh, Coach Knobloch. Uh, they're offering 25% off all in stock air conditioners right now. It's supposed to be a long, hot summer in 2024. So get ahead of the heat and install an air conditioner now with the expert help and service from Weiss Johnson. Visit wjcools.com. Here's Johnson, that scared me. I forgot about the jingle. Sorry about the jingle. Um, let's hear from uh, Chris Knobloch talking about what would happen if they could have got that 2-0 goal. And then we had some chances to go up 2-0. I think if we're up two goals, it just makes that game a lot uh, easier, especially um, the way New York plays, very um, tight checking. And once they have the lead, it's tough to score against these guys. But, um, yeah, no, I, I liked our, our guys' effort. There was no quit and um, some breaks. Yeah, maybe it's a different result. Yeah, and I see, Brownie, I agree with that completely. I, I think that you're on the road, you're carrying, you know, carrying the play, not dominating, but, you know, carrying the play for, for a stretch in their first. You get that second goal, all of a sudden now they're like, Islanders are thinking, okay, well, we're down to nothing. We know that these guys have a good power play. The Islanders have a bad penalty kill. And now maybe get out of that first period, two nothing. It's a different feeling for the Islanders instead of being down one nothing. And then we move into the second period, and this is where – as something that's been really good for them, the power play, the penalty kill, kind of falls off. And I kind of want to go through it goal by goal that kind of let, let the listeners, what we saw, go wrong. So I'll start with that first goal. Uh, the first goal, they kind of get on the power play, that's Islanders, and there's a shot uh, that just squeaks through Skinner. And Anders Lee has, I think it was a six-inch putt to get it over the line. And, you know, I thought the Oilers up to that point would do a decent job killing the penalty, different than the second one. But that's a little squeaker that Stu Skinner has got to close the old chicken wing for and can't get through. Well, yeah. If there was a goal that he probably would love a second chance on, that would be the one. Uh, it was a grade A scoring chance, but it was a wrist shot from a little bit of distance and it hit his body and falls through. And the defensemen, they're, they're fronting the net. They see him stop it. Lee's the only guy that can find the puck behind behind Skinner. So that was a, it was a tough one. Uh, the Oilers have been very good killing as of late. Uh, unfortunately, when you go a stretch that the Oilers went, sometimes you're going to get that one unlucky goal against. And to me, it was a combination of unlucky and maybe one that Skinner wishes he could have just held a little tighter against his arm, so his arm against his body to keep it from going in. But yeah. Uh, that that changed the game. That it certainly changed the game because the the Oilers were had been the better team, weren't able to extend, and all of a sudden the Islanders' first real scoring chance it's in the back of the net. Then they get another penalty, and it's the second uh, power play goal of the game. This one for me, I've been very complimentary of Connor Brown's penalty kill, but he's guilty in two different areas. The puck goes from uh, kind of the left side of uh, Stuart Skinner all the way to the right side, and I believe it was <coughs> Nugent Hopkins that goes over and plays him. Connor Brown skates all the way over and comes over more on Nugent Hopkins' side. The puck now rotates back to the other up and then over to the other side. And Connor Brown kind of comes back, but he doesn't come back through the middle at the slot, uh, middle of the ice. The puck goes from the side 
the flank guy right into the guy who scores, whom I believe Connor Brown should have a stick on or denying that pass. And he ends up scoring. Um, Bo Horbat scores that one. And, and, and Brownie, I, I just think that's penalty killing 101. You come back right through the slot with your stick in that area, tied up because the D-men are everyone's kind of trying to keep that area clear. And that was, to me, a very easy goal for the for Bo Horvath to finish. Well, you're right. When Connor Brown came across to help out Nugent Hopkins, the Oilers are very aggressive on their kill. But you have to read the situation. If the Islanders today, the opposition, has full control of the puck, you can't cheat to one side. Because one puck across, all of a sudden, you're chasing. And these players, any player that's on the power play is good enough to make plays when he's got time and space. So once he went, now he's got to come back through the middle because, A, he's got to get into a shooting lane. I believe it was Dobson on the back end. So you got to make sure you take away the shot, the, the lane for the shot. And then you also have to have your stick out. Uh, it was a great pass, but you know how hard it is for goaltenders. The most goals are scored when the puck goes from one side across and the goalie now has to move. He's got to change his angle. Things open up on him. Uh, not an easy shot for Horvat. It's coming across his body. But uh, one that uh, he's been putting in the back of the deck quite a bit in the last little bit. He's on fire right now. And again, it's a grade-A scoring chance from about 10 feet out, the middle of the ice with the goalie moving. Uh, those ones, and, and uncontested, that's the biggest thing. There wasn't pressure on him. Dayarnay, there was a nice pass. I believe, I'm not sure who made the pass, if it was Lee or not, but it went right between the skate and the stick of Dayarnay, which is a big distance. The big man's got a long <laughs> stick. <laughs> So that was yeah. a great pass. But Horvat, again, uncontested. There was no stick on puck. There was no stick on him. There was no body on him. Uh, Bo Horvat's a good hockey player. Uh, when he gets that opportunity, he's going to bury it. So all of a sudden, a penalty-killing unit that had been excellent as of late, now are dinged for two. And Connor Brown, as he's skating back, he has his both hands on his stick. His stick is in the air. All he has to do is just take it off and just put his left hand, the stick, in that little passing and I think either denies it or throws Horvat off so just or, those details matter or also it's if you're an offensive player if you're on the power play if you see a stick sometimes you don't make the pass too so right. if you see exactly. if you see there okay that sticks there okay I'm not going to turn the puck over and now you go back to the defenseman so yes as a defender on a penalty kill stick is always on the ice and the stick is always in a passing lane to try to force that guy to put the put the puck elsewhere you want it on the perimeter you do not want it in the middle of the ice, and the others let that one go right to the middle of the ice. Yeah, that's hard. So they get down two nothing or two sorry two one uh, in, in that situation, and you're thinking, okay, well that's not ideal. In the end, the orders <laughs> went two for four on the penalty kill, but the Islanders went four for four on the penalty kill because the orders now get some uh, a number of power plays in a row, including a five on three. Uh, but before they get to the five on three, Brownie, I'd like you to take us through. What you saw on the shorthanded goal by uh, Holmstrom? Well, the Oilers' power play has been together forever. So th they don't need to see where they're passing the puck. They, they know where everyone should be. Now, when a player's got his back to the boards, Nugent Hopkins had his back to the, or fa he was facing the boards. His back was to the middle of the ice. He's getting pressure. You have to be able to know where to move the puck to without looking. Now, when, when the teams that I've coached and teams that I've been on, you always want the defenseman against the boards. It's because it, that you know. So if I'm facing the boards, I got pressure on me. I can throw the puck back along the boards. My defenseman is going to be there 100% of the time. I don't have to look because sometimes you don't have time to look. Because as you know, as a penalty killer, as soon as you see numbers, you attack. So 
Nugent Hopkins, instead of throwing it back along the boards, he threw it in the middle of the ice. That's a tough play. Bouchard, I, is, if I'm a defenseman, I don't read being in the middle of the ice because you're asking a guy to throw it to an area and the middle of the ice is big. A board, it's easy. <laughs> middle of the ice is big. So Bouchard is over where I believe he should be in the right area. Nudes throws it to the middle of the ice. All the other Oilers are below the penalty killers. Pajot picks it up. It's a two-on-one, and it was played perfectly by the Islanders. That was a beautiful pass by Pajot. And then Holmstrom on and off his stick. Skinner has zero chance on that one. But that, to me, that one's on Nugent Hopkins. He just he flew, he threw it into an area hoping instead of throwing it into an area, area knowing. And the Islanders, who are not good at killing penalties, but are pretty good at scoring while shorthanded, <laughs> Yeah. Extended lead. So I don't, for me, when I see, uh, when I'm watching the Oilers play and they're down a goal and they get a power play, I've almost added it up into my brain. Okay, it's going to be tied up after this power play. Their power play has been that good. So for them to actually fall behind further on their power play, uh, that was a, well, that was a monumental goal for the New York Islanders. That was the one to me that uh, more or less won the hockey game because now all of a sudden you're two mistakes away as an Oilers team to try and catch up. So that was a big goal for the, for the New York Islanders. It was a huge goal. You know, and I agree with you. I think that Bouchard is, is playing in the right place. He's on the wall. He's mm-hmm. waiting for the puck because that's where you're coming because you're going to get it. You reset, and now I drag it to the middle again. Now I can fi- I funnel it to either side. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, it happens. Nugent Hopkins probably makes that pass 99 out of 100 times. So that's, that's the way it goes. But for them to get scored on in that moment, I, I was watching, I thought the same, okay, they're going to tie it up now and they're mm-hmm. going to be two, two, you know, and then kind of things even out a little bit, then you get going again. Well, three, one, now they get another chance on the power play. And, you know, they just, to me, when I watched their power play tonight, I thought the passing was a little bit off brownie and, and, you know, was maybe a pass in the feet or just ahead of a guy or just behind them um, or, or at times. And I thought we saw this early in the year where they're trying to force pucks, maybe were, or sorry, first force passes where there just wasn't a pass. You know, I'm thinking Nugent Hopkins one time, zipping it through to try to get to Leon. It seemed like they were really trying to feed Leon on that far side. And I get it. He's your your big guy. But I think the Islanders said, we're going to try to let us beat us any other way you can. But those passes just weren't there tonight, Brownie. And I, I just thought they were just a little bit off on their power play. And I think it ultimately it made the difference against what isn't a really good, what is not a good power or penalty kill job by uh, Islanders. Well, you you said the right word, forcing. and I, They did it a number of times. The, the one Nugent Hopkins one you talked about, uh, I like when Bouchard shoots early on a power play for a lot of reasons. One, it creates chaos. But two, uh, his shot, when it's blocked, snap sticks. Did it tonight. When his shot <laughs> is blocked, it, it hurts. We saw another Islander go down. He could barely get up for the rest of the past yeah. show. So on the power play that Nugent Hopkins tried making that play, off the, off the shot, Bouchard shoots, snaps the Islander stick. Now it's three and a half guys killing. And Nugent Hopkins tries going all the way across to Leon through the guy that has no stick. You yeah. can move the puck all over the place. Yeah. There's one, it, it, that, that guy with no stick, if I'm him, I, if I was him, I would have skated and stood with Connor McDavid. I would just yeah. would have stood beside him saying, you know what? You go four and three, I'm taking away Connor. Yeah. Because you're useless. On a penalty kill with no stick, you're absolutely useless. And Nugent Hopkins tried forcing the puck. It hits that guy in the foot. They get the puck out. On the five on three, which we'll probably talk about, Connor McDavid twice had the puck right in the slot. Nobody shoots harder than Connor McDavid. No one is more accurate than Connor McDavid. And twice he tried passing the puck out of the slot to Leon. Now, 
I'm never going to question Connor or Leon's decisions when they have the puck on their stick because they're normally very, very good. But tonight, when you're when you're down two goals, you have a five-on-three, you need to score, and you need to score early. The way you score early on a five-on-three, shoot the puck, and I don't think the Oilers shot enough on their five-on-three. Yeah, you know what? I, I hear you, and I, I agree with, with challenging what they're thinking, but I can say what I'm thinking on the other side. I'm thinking on the other side. When I'm defending... The last thing I want is having Connor McDavid with that stick, that that puck in the slot. Mm-hmm. And if he shoots it the first time, uh, now I'm like, okay, is Connor going to shoot this or is he going to pass to Leon? So maybe I cheat a little bit more to to Connor in the slot, and that opens up the pass to Leon. But the first time you go through and you pass to Leon, I'm thinking, oh man, he's passing Leon every time, and he was he was trying to pass to Leon every time, and I I do get it, but. Just from the defensive side, like you got to make me believe that you're actually going to shoot it there. And I don't think he did. He didn't sell that, at least not tonight, Brown. No, he didn't. Uh, they were they were trying to force plays. Well, they had a five on three for almost a minute, and I don't think they had a grade A scoring chance on it. They yeah. they just didn't create. And and it was one where you don't need to, you don't want to look for the perfect play because you're down two goals. I'm thinking right. five on three. They're going to score on the first five on three. Then they're going to have a power play. They have a chance to tie this game up. Uh, yeah. Give the give the Islanders credit; they did a great job. But I don't think the the Oilers made them work hard enough. To me, on the five on three, too, set up the one timer, set up Bouchard for a one timer. Because once that one timer comes in, now you've got to respect it. And if you pull out one of those guys, there's so much open space going across. They didn't try that at all. Um, and the other thing that happened on their five on three, Bouchard got caught coming down too low. And one of the passes that was missed, it went off the boards and out because he wasn't high enough. When you're on a five on three, you can't all get down below tops of the circles. Someone has to be a little higher in case there's an errant pass. So uh, that to me was the missed opportunity. That was the end of the game. When the Oilers didn't score on their five on three, that was it. And not only because they didn't score and pull closer, but all it gave a little bit of life to the Islanders. They're sitting now like, okay, I have belief. But you know what's funny is that you talked about setting Bouchard up on the power play on, on that five-on-three. It seemed like McDavid wanted to constantly funnel out towards the, on the left side of Bouchard. So he was getting yep. the puck, skating downhill, and and uh, Bouchard just standing there like, hey, guys, like that's not my one-timer side, right? <laughs> so I, I would have liked him actually maybe seen slip around and get – you know, because sometimes Connor will slide around behind the net, come around the other side. When he comes up, now all of a sudden there's maybe a pass in front or the, the one-timer up to Bouchard. But just shake it up, especially after it wasn't really working after the first 20, 30 seconds. So I'm sure they'll review it. But um, again, I'm not I'm not going to be too critical of what they do, the way the choice they make offensively. But I just know defensively what I had a tough time with and what other teams would kind of start to get on roller skates when I see him moving around. Uh, let's go back to the uh, Weiss Johnson inbox or uh, sound box when we bring in uh, Matthias Ekholm and his thoughts on what happened with the specialty teams tonight. Unfortunately, that was the name of the game. We lost in a special teams battle tonight. And uh, we got to be better as a penalty kill unit. We got to be better as a power play unit as well. So um, that's on us. And um, again, that's... Uh, not great timing. We we need a, we need wins right now. We need points right now. So um, we'll have to learn from that and be, and be better. Yeah, and I think there's no doubt about it. Man, that's that's a pretty obvious statement. I, I think whenever they hear Echo, he just he says exactly what the truth is, right? He doesn't he doesn't hide from it. Um, but I mean, the penalty kill has been really good, you know. But to give up two and then the shorthanded, that's your minus three, 
right? And now you're not, even if on your best night scoring four even strength goals, Brownie, that's a tall order for any team. Well, it's funny. And I know that uh, after the game, they were talking about uh, the analytic part of it, or the expected goals and, and all those things and how the, the game favored the Oilers. To me, I, I, you don't, I don't have to look at those stats. There's one stat that almost is 99% foolproof. If you win the specialty teams and you win the goaltending battle, you will win the hockey game. And tonight, the New York Islanders, they won the specialty teams and they won the goaltending battle. Uh, very rarely, if ever, does it not work out in your favor. So you can have all the shots you want. You can have all the grade eight, whatever you want. But the Oilers lost the specialty teams battle and, and badly. And the Sorokin was a better goaltender tonight. And Skinner didn't play bad, but the guy on the other end was better. So uh, to me, that, it's, it was that simple tonight. It was simply that simple for the Edmonton Oilers. And they find themselves, and this was the fear I had, Struds, last week. When the, the Florida game to me was the most important game of the week. After they lost Tampa, you've got to beat Florida. You don't want to go into this New York road trip right. having dropped two. Now you've dropped three. And it gets harder. Jersey's better than the Islanders. The Rangers are better than Jersey. Mm -hmm. So now you don't want to have an eight-game winning streak and follow that up with a five-game losing streak. So it's just getting a little bit tough here. Now the pressure's a little bit higher on the Oilers, and uh, the importance of these next two games just gets magnified. Rob Brown's appearances on the podcast brought to you by his good buddies at Kinprint. If you're a new company, see how Kinprint can help you with logo design and branding. Visit kinprint.ca. All right, let's just step out here for a minute. Um, we'll get back here with some takeaways and some thoughts about what should the response from the coaches be? You've won eight in a row. Now you've lost three in a row, two of three of which you could have or should have won. We'll get into that next here on Takeaways on Got Your Back Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Kelly here from United Sport and Cycle. Christmas is just around the corner and we've got everything you need for the athlete and sports fan on your list. With over 30 different sports under one roof, including hockey, bikes, ball, and our amazing fan shop, United is your one-stop shop for everything sport. Don't know what to buy? A United gift card is always a fan favorite. United Sport and Cycle, your Santa's workshop for over 95 years. Winter is upon us, so why not make the best of it? Marmot Basin Ski Resort is where it's at. Ski half price every day, no blackout periods. Pick up your escape card for 99 bucks and make winter fun more affordable. Half the price, all the powder. Get yours at www.skimarmot.com. Are you ready to elevate your moving experience? Trusted for over 100 years, Ferguson Moving and Storage are your partners in relocation, ensuring your journey is smooth and stress-free. And say goodbye to surprises with Ferguson's transparent flat rate pricing. Contact them now for a free moving quote and use a promo code FERGUSON to receive $100 off your next move. Visit fergusonmoving.com and let them lift your expectations.
Time for the takeaways brought to you by Redefine Health. If you're feeling unhappy with your overall level of health, you have to try their wellness lifestyle program, a really unique 90-day program, including daily meal plan, exercise regimen, video instruction support, pre and post assessment to help you monitor your progress all for 150 bucks. To help change the way you're functioning and feeling day-to-day, visit redefinehealth.com. I know Shogger is looking to get this for his uh buy himself a Christmas gift. You know, he's had a sore knee. He's had the gout, bad back, thinning <laughs> hair. And uh, there's a lot going on, Brownie, for for Mr. Ryan Rashog. And I think that they can change his life. Maybe not all of them, maybe one, maybe the knee. Well, they actually they actually told him to take tonight off. They didn't mean to stress <laughs> the stress. He's working too hard. He's, he's now down yeah. to just two two podcasts a week. Uh, yeah. he's, he's just he just doesn't have the athleticism that we have you and i no. so it's no. it's it's obvious well he's five nine or what is he five ten or whatever he is uh and it's kind of <laughs> you hard. could eat you could eat an apple off his forehead you could oh he's that small absolutely. Yes. a whole pie a whole pumpkin <laughs> pie on top of his head um so here we are the owners are in the middle of a three-game road trip three and uh four days down in uh, new york and i gotta say i i used to love these trips to new york right so it, it in most years you'd play all three teams in one and what you do is you stay right in Manhattan. There's a little hotel. Um, you know, you, there's different hotels, but you kind of stay in different different places. I remember one year we stayed at the Plaza Hotel. Now, the Plaza has kind of changed, but it's it's on the south uh, east corner of Central Park. And my room, I don't know how I got it, but my room faced out, looked over the whole park. Um, it, it was such a cool uh, hotel. It was, it was always in a bunch of movies and stuff like that. But that's what we stay with Mike Keenan. He he loved to spend the money on on the rooms, but it is a really cool place and a cool time to play when the teams aren't that good. When they're good, it's a hard trip because you're you're in New York City and you're playing three really good teams. And like you said just earlier, it, every game gets harder than the previous. And for a team trying to get going, Brownie, it's tough. But you know, I guess on the side note. If you're going to lose, I guess losing New York is in the worst place. <laughs> well, it's funny. Most of my career, I was out in the East and I was in Pittsburgh and we would just go in and out. Oh, like we okay. didn't. So we didn't do that. We didn't do four or five days. And the odd chance that we did, we always stayed in the Meadowlands. They didn't oh. trust us staying right in New York Brutal. City. And you, it was horrible. It was like there was nothing to do. I think that was done on purpose. I didn't get to really enjoy New York until I've retired. And I've gone back once with my wife, once with my son. Okay. unbelievable city it's great but when i played their fans were mean like they oh, yeah. were mean and they did not like me uh so it was never a fun place to play in new york but uh, i i've experienced new york since then and it is one of my favorite places to go and at christmas time it is it's beautiful there and it's go magical. down skate outside their central park is beautiful no it is it is nice it's uh but as you know uh, as players there's not always a lot of free time to to go and enjoy. I mean, I know that you sometimes would go out after curfew and be out all night, so you'd see more of New York than the rest sure. of us. Yeah. But for the, for the rest of us, you know. <laughs> yeah. I would. I love to stay out all night long. Play, <laughs> play guilty. guilty. Play guilty That's the next day. That's when I was day. at my best. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So here we are. The, the owners run off eight in a row, get themselves within, you know, spitting distance of a playoff spot. And now they've dropped three. Um, you know, you're the coach coaches new coaches paul coffee and obviously chris knobloch the head coach you know what is what is your message um what i'm guessing will be a really 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 light practice and maybe a a meeting pre or post practice tomorrow 
Well, the one thing that Knobloch talked about when he first came here was the Oilers lack confidence, lack swagger. And he said that he started to see the swagger come back and the players were playing a little freer. Um, I, I think he wants to continue to stress that, uh, that you're good enough. But he also wants to start fixing some of the things that are, are creeping back into the game. The, the Florida game, the first period against the Panthers, that might have been their worst defensive effort since Knobloch came to the Oilers. They were giving, leaking scoring chances over and over again. Uh, but I think the, the biggest thing for, for Knobloch and the coaching staffs right now is, is to get certain players going. Kane has been, he's been quiet for quite a while now. Uh, Connor Brown's been quiet the whole year. McLeod's been quiet. Fogel, who made a nice play to dry settle, but he, he, I think he's got one goal in his last 20 games. So the, the middle six of this team is not producing, and they need to, because the one thing that we've seen, and this is what we talked on our show tonight, is we in the last three games, we've seen goaltenders, Russian goalies, win games for their teams. We've yet to see an Oilers goalie win their team a game. That, not that the Oilers goalies have been bad in all these games, but they've never, it was all on the back of a goalie. So the Oilers are going to need to have all of their offensive weapons producing because we're not seeing a lot of, we're not seeing a game where, okay, they're, they were hemmed in, but Skinner made 52 saves and won them the game. So the Oilers need to find uh, the offense from players other than Hyman, McDavid, Dry Settle and Nugent Hopkins and their power play. They got to find some other guys that are capable of scoring. And until they do that, they're not going to take that next step. Yeah, I love that you bring up Evander Kane because I remember earlier in the year we talked about Evander Kane and getting emotionally connected. And mm-hmm. he was he was dragging, you know, at times I think himself into games, but also his teammates. Yep. Um, and we haven't seen that a lot from Evander Kane lately. And I and you know, there's talks that maybe he's got an injury or something. I, I get it. But when he is not emotionally connected, I think it's harder for him to produce. There was a play today, I think it was in the second period, where he just buried Romanoff, yeah. I believe, from behind. Yeah, that was a, it should net. have been a penalty, yeah. I, know, I don't know how he's getting away with these hits from behind. I mean, I, 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 I'll, every time I'll bring it up, I'll, I'll just remind you guys, you fans, when you guys complain about the, 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 the non-calls on the Oilers, that's two times now he's hit Brodeen and now Romanoff. The Brodeen one was worse than, yes. than the Romanoff. But... He just threw him in the wall. But anyways, you know, he's got to play a little bit on the edge like that, and he's kind of got to bring him. I, I just, you know, tonight he had, I can think of one chance, he kind of on his backhand, and I, I, I think it was actually tipped to one over the net. He doesn't, he doesn't have a ton of good chances. I just think that when I'm looking, if I'm looking at this team, I'm Knobloch or Coffee or whomever, needs to go down the street and just talk to Kane and say, bud, Buddy, we need you. We need you to get yourself going and get involved in these games emotionally. I know it's not always fair that you're the one we come to, but you're that's what your job. That's what you do. You make other people connect to those games because when he connects to them, I think everyone gets connected to them. Like when's the last time in any game we've seen a scrum for the audience? Mm-hmm. And and a scrum, I don't need a brawl, I don't need you know crazy stuff, but I do need just emotional connection. And when you're winning, maybe you don't have to do as much, but now that you're in the, in the muck, you got to dig out and someone's got to do it, Brownie. Uh, you're right. Um, he is the emotional catalyst of this team. Uh, the leadership group for the Oilers is a quiet group. I mean, Connor McDavid, yeah. quiet. Leon Dreisel, quiet. Nugent Hopkins, quiet. Hyman, quiet. A couple of years ago when they, they had their runs, I mean, Mike Smith, huge personality. 
um, <laughs> before we, they, the guys they've had it, Pat Maroon, huge personality. Uh, they don't have that huge personality outside of, you know, uh, a nurse has got a big personality and an Evander Kane up front. And Evander Kane's had a quiet personality lately. He's a guy as you, he, he's a loud player, whether it's through vocal, through physicality, through, uh, you know, some, some questionable hits, you notice him. And when you notice him, it drags everyone else into it because now all of a sudden there's emotion. He, he brings in emotion from the other team, which creates more emotion on your team. Connor and Leon are better players when they are physically and emotionally engaged. Every player is. Yeah. And Evander Kane, you're right. He's been quiet and too quiet. And I, again, I know that he didn't practice on the homestand. There's something there, but it hasn't affected his physicality because he's thrown a couple big hits, but he just, you're not noticing him. Uh, like we had been. He went through a stretch of 12 games where in those 12 games, if he wasn't the best player on the ice, he was in the top two. But it, very quiet to the point where he got moved to a line with McLeod because he wasn't producing with Leon. And then tonight with Connor McDavid, other than the hit that he threw behind the net that should have been a call, I don't remember a play that Evander Kane had. And that's not good when you're playing on a line with Connor McDavid. So uh, he's there's a player, Connor Brown again. Uh the one thing you worry about Connor Brown, he's so good penalty killing. And I know from experience, when you're a guy that's supposed to produce and when he's playing on your first or second line with Connor or Leon, he's supposed to produce. You can't have one assist in 20-some games. When the offensive stuff dries up, it sometimes bleeds into the rest of your game. And that's what you're fearful of. Don't let it bleed into your defensive structure. Don't let it bleed into your penalty killing because you've been good at that but they need more out of certain players on this team moving forward because it's been, uh, well, more or less a one-line team now for the last five or six games. Yeah, and I, I like if I'm if I'm Evander Kane, I talk to Nurse, I talk to Brown, Fogel, um, Vinny Dernay, Kulak, um, you know, CC. I'm like, guys, and, and Ekholm, we've got to be big and physical and really impose our will against New Jersey, right? It doesn't mean mm -hmm. you're running around looking for hits, but just be noticeably edgy. You know, I had a coach who tell me, said, when you get to the puck, get there angry. And, I, you know, they need to have that. They need to have that edge, a little bit of pushback, and then it kind of opens up the game for everybody else. So when you do that, there'll be a reaction from New Jersey. New Jersey's not a big team. You know, whether it's Heischer or Jack Hughes or Luke Hughes is a little bit bigger, I guess. Um, yes, it doesn't Brad, play that way. But they don't play yeah. that with. So what no. you know what it's like, Struds. The, the, there's certain teams that you would like to be the, the, to be quiet. The others could be bullies. Yeah. I mean, Connor and Leon and Kane and Nurse yeah. and Ekholm. Yeah. They could be bullies. So the opposition, especially a New Jersey team that's smaller, you want a quiet game. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll just play it quiet. Let's because New Jersey's not capable of being the bullies. They're just not a big team. So okay, right. all right, we're just going to be a skilled game tonight. Like that it. plays into New Jersey's favor because they don't have. The, the toughness to push back. So, yes, I agree 100%. The Oilers have to go in and bully them. Don't take penalties, but right. be physical. Be physical yeah. uh, and get involved. Get in front of the goalie. Sorokin did not have to fight through any no. checks. Tonight. He didn't have to fight through screens. He saw everything, and that's not good. When If you're trying to shoot and beat a goalie that good who's on his game without any screens or tips in front, you're not going to beat him often. And I think, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but stop in front of the net. Like go to the go to the front of the net. Stop there. Get in his way. Bump into him. Actually, like, all those types of things that 
you know, you, you think of when uh, you look at uh, Kachuk, the yep. well, now in Florida, like and Brady too. Like they just go to the blue paint. They're there. They're accidentally falling on your goalie. Like all these types of things that just you're just getting to that net, and it's just uncomfortable. Like you look at the New Jersey de defense again. Like um, Graves, like. You're not losing sleep over that guy. Like that's just he, he's he is a big guy, but there's he's a friendly giant. So get there and get there in a bad mood and um play that way. So it'll be interesting. Now I have to ask this for Shogger. Who was or who would you start in net versus devils? And who do you think starts for the devil or for, for the orders? Well, I think it's gonna be Pickard. I think that's who they're gonna start. There's there's two trains of thought on it. A you look at the two teams and who's the better of the two teams. The Rangers are the better hockey club. So if you're trying to assure yourself of two points, do you put your better goalie against the weaker team? Because that gives you a better chance of winning a game. So you put Skinner yep. against New Jersey and then go back uh, with Pickard against the Rangers. So that's an option. I think they're going to go with Pickard against Jersey. He just beat them, played well, uh, gives an extra day of rest for Skinner, and then they'll go Skinner against the Rangers. But they're going to need, again, the jersey fortunately does not have a russian goaltender so the oilers get to have a day off against one they'll see one again yeah. on friday against the rangers but yeah i think they'll go pickard skinner on, on this the next two games and and hope for the best yeah i'm with you and i i think they they they, they mixed up the order i think they should have gone chicago uh with pickard and then back to back or Three Skinners in a row, a Pickard, and then a Ranger, or then Skinner against the Rangers. But mm. either way, you know, it's easier to look back and say now. But I think that, yeah, I think that he knows and he, he feels comfortable probably playing those guys because he's already had, he's had a, a good game against them. Um, and then uh, Skinner knows that he's got the last game before the play or before the uh, Christmas break. I think it's a great a great spot for it. So we'll see what happens with that. But man, they got to get a way to get two points out of one of these games. Um, you know they you they gotta get yeah, you don't you don't want to be going into a Christmas break dropping five straight. Oh, it, it, it just it's yeah. almost it just threw you just threw away all the goodwill that you gained off an eight game winning streak. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's uh, take a quick pause here. When we come back, we'll uh, take a lap. Uh, another player scratched, kind of randomly. Well, not randomly, but I thought he'd only been scratched. And he kind of sent the message. We'll talk about why it's a little odd that he's getting scratched again by the same coach after such a good year last year. Long Shots Golf is the destination for both golf enthusiasts and sports fans. Top-of-the-line TrackMan simulators provide a highly entertaining and accurate golf experience, while a full-service sports bar loaded with big screens and scratch kitchen make it a truly unique destination. They have locations in Sherwood Park in Edmonton. Experience the best indoor golf and sports bar in town. Visit longshots.ca. That's longshots with a Z.ca. If you own or operate a business, you know the value of a great employee. Just ask Shogger. Pathfind is here to help you find your next star player to help take your business to the next level. Pathfind can help with recruitment, career transition, leadership coaching. They truly have your whole team covered. Building you a championship caliber roster. Find your team's path forward at pathfind.ca. All right, it's time to take a lap. Brought to you by Backscape. Get rid of that unwanted back hair all by yourself with Backscape. The water-resistant rechargeable shaver 
Called the long handle lets you take care of your own business on your own. Shave in any direction with no bumps or cuts. It's easy and it's awesome. Right now is their biggest sale of the year with 30 to 50% off. Visit Backscape.com. All right, let's get into it here, Brownie. Andre Kuzmensko, uh, Kuzmenskov, sorry, I should say, from uh, the Vancouver Canucks is being healthy scratched again, I believe, tonight. He'd already been scratched before this year uh, by his uh, new coach, Rick Tockett. And, you know, this guy had a great year last year, signed a, a good contract. Ironically, actually, the Oilers wanted to sign him. I believe he was one of the finalists for that spot. Would have been a nice pickup on a cheap contract last year. But, I mean, you think about a year ago, he was the golden boy. And now here he is playing on a, what I think a $5 million contract, spent the summer traveling the world, which I'm sure that everyone loved in that Vancouver Canucks dressing room <laughs> and, and coaching room. But here he is getting sat out again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you've been the doghouse before in this type of situation. What does he do to get out of it? And, and is there a fit here maybe for, or a bad fit for he and Rick talking? Well, it's weird. Um, I saw that he had struggled. And it's one thing to struggle scoring goals, but then when you aren't scoring, as I said earlier, sometimes it leaks into the rest of your game. And then as an offensive player, you start to cheat. And if you're playing for Rick Tockett and you're cheating defensively, well, you're not <laughs> going to play much. And I saw there was a whole article and they talked, they even they interviewed the GM and he talked about it and we're, we're going to try and do everything we can get him going. So he got sat out. Next game he came back and he scored. And I'm like, okay, well, good. It, it worked. He got the message. And I'm like, I, I read today too, he was getting scratched again. I'm like, who? Now as a player, you're like, this is bull. I mean, I'm good enough. I should be yeah. going. But when the team goes out and continues to win without you, you're like, ooh, okay, wait a sec. I don't have a lot of uh, cachet here. If all of a sudden the coach is not dressing me and they're finding a way to win without me. So uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen them play enough. I always liked him as a player last year. Uh, earlier this season, we saw him. Uh, he's talented. He's got skill. Uh, the thing is, Besser has turned it around in Vancouver. Oh. He was so. I mean, twenty-four, twenty-three goals, whatever he's got. So all of a sudden, Kazmenko is is not getting the the looks on the power plays that he was getting before, and they haven't needed him. And I think what Talkett's doing right now is like, okay, we've got guys that are doing this, scoring goals. Now we don't need the offense out of you as much anymore. We need you to be a complete player. And in my guess, knowing Talkett and knowing the Canucks, they're saying, all right, if you're not playing that way, we'll find someone that can do the role that uh, we need. So, I, I mean, he's if they continue to win without him, it's a pretty good uh, trade piece that they have to pick up something. I think the Canucks are a good hockey club. I think they could improve on their back end. And you got a guy like that that you can move that had 30-some goals last year or, what, 40 goals last year? All of a sudden, you're yeah. going to make yourself better because you're winning without him. Um, but as a player, I mean, it's simple. You go and tell the coach, what do you want from me? All right? And then you go out and do it. Uh, or you can pout and push back. Uh, you're, they've already changed coaches. So they're not getting rid of Tockett. So Tockett's going to win this one if you're that player. So you go out and do whatever the coach says, and you keep your mouth shut, and you hope that uh, you find yourself back in the lineup soon. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And you know, I I don't know if he's even that tradable right now, you know, with with two years at five point five million. I, th I think that gets I'm not saying he's untradable, but I think if he had twenty goals right now, he'd be a lot more interesting if for him. If he had right twenty now. goals right now, he wouldn't be healthy scratch. Well, that's fair. <laughs> no, that's true. But that's but I mean that's the thing, is that I do think that it's it's not the easiest trade. And I I 
I remember last year when they talked about him that he was going to spend the summer in uh, in Bali and traveling around the world. Like, I get it. And, I, and I'm not saying that's the reason, but in the back of your head as a team, you're like, what did you do? Like, what what went wrong? Like, I, I just worry about that. Well, and um, you know, Strut, you know, Strut's nowadays too. Back, back when we played, you could travel because you didn't start training until August. These yeah, guys, right. these guys nowadays, they take a week off at the end of the season yeah. and they're back training like every yeah. single day. So it's a completely different way. And you're right. If you're, traveling the whole summer it is fun but you might be a step or two behind some of the other players at yeah. training camp and speak for yourself but i did say i took a week off and i was right back in there i seriously? think you took the whole summer oh i loved it i, I love yeah it. but I, I i i would see you in september and october you seriously didn't only take a week off <laughs> <laughs> i look good i look really good all right the next part is you know there, there's a lot of talk around the overtime in the nhl and we saw um washington game I think it was last night they were, or two nights ago, you know, there was a lot of pausing behind the net and not much attacking, not much um, not much offensive thought for the Washington Capitals. So, you know, there's a discussion around should they have rules or regulations where you can't bring the puck out of the offensive zone. If I carry an offensive zone, I can't bring the puck back out if I, A, I get tired, or B, I don't like to set up, or three, I just feel threatened by the other team. Personally, Brownie, I don't like it that they bring it out of the zone because the reason people bring it out of the zone is you don't want to lose possession. Mm -hmm. But I believe three on three is all about possession. You, you, you know, I want to see change of possession because that creates a two on one, then a breakaway, then a three on one the other way. So I do think there needs to be some kind of ruling put in or rules put in that you cannot bring the puck out of the offensive zone. Now, the problem is how do you legislate that? Is it a penalty? Is it a face off? Um, could you do a change of possession on the fly? Is the league ready for that? No, I'm not sure about that either, but I, I just think that there, there is, if you truly want to see chances, you have to force players into situations where there's a good chance they're going to either attack and or lose possession brownie. Uh, see, I, I'm against that. I, I, the only thing I would change, I would make it 10 minutes long. I would go 10 minutes long. You might never have to have a shootout then. Uh, the Oilers are one of the best teams at the league of bringing the puck outside the blue line, picking up speed, and then back attacking. And there, there's a, a, an advantage when you bring the puck out. Now you, you're allowing your team to change, and you're keeping the other team hemmed in, and they can't change. So uh, because of the best rule they made was having you switch ends in overtime, so it's like a second period. It's a long change for you. Mm -hmm. I like that. And that's what teams do. They bring it out. They pick up speed. They make some changes themselves, but they catch the other team uh, tired. So I have no problem with it. Majority of the teams will try to create offense. I watched uh, the Minnesota-Boston game tonight into overtime mm -hmm. and ended up being a, a two-on-one goal after a great save by Fleury the other way. Um, teams like Washington, they don't have the horses to play a three-on-three -three game. So they want to slow it down. They're, it is an older, slow team. So I could see why they would do it. But no, the only thing I would do, make it 10 minutes long. Make it 10 minute long, three on three overtime, and you'll get rid of the shootouts altogether because I don't know if you can go 10 full minutes of three on three without one of the teams making a big mistake and getting scored on. So I'd actually say the opposite. I think it would make the intensity less because you have more time. So I think you no. have more people bring the puck back, trying, mm. trying to, not, to not lose possession. No, if you make it longer, you start forcing teams to use more players. And there's more players are going to make more mistakes because you think when Connor and Leon were yeah. playing together and you only had five minutes, Connor and Leon sometimes played four minutes. You yeah. play a 10 minute one. 
all of a sudden you're starting to throw in third line guys who aren't used to playing three on three. Now you're going to have mistakes. Pardon? You're not going through. You're, you're going, you're at most, you're going five or it, six fours deep. Oh, you're going more than six fours at 10 minutes. No, that's a long, that's a long time. They're already going six six forwards right now with five minutes. You go but 10 I, minutes, but just three sets of forwards, all I that ice. No, you're going to you, you'd have a, you'd have a line. There'd be two D and a forward. I think you'd probably go, you know, I'd probably do my A and B forward and probably my C, D maybe forwards. Then maybe my A forward with my 2D, and then you go again B C with a D. Like you're, I but think the Oilers, the Oilers already use three sets of three pairs. They so they already have three pairs, and that's in a five minute game that rarely gets to five minutes. So they will go four, five, five pairings deep. They will because you won't be able to keep up. Guys will get exhausted. So they will go. I I go ten minutes, and you're gonna have, and you're gonna have more mistakes because if you go a short bench, those guys are gonna get tired. Because there is a lot of skating. Yeah. I mean, you you see when those guys get extended out there, right. they can barely move their legs anymore. I know. I, I'm telling you, I think it'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see what happens, but I do think they would probably slow it down. All right, that was um, take a lap. Now, Zuby, do we have another break, or do we go right into uh, Stretty's world? We got one more break. Okay, let's get to our break. When we come back, Stretty's world, and we're going to talk about the beautiful Don't world. Don't tell me. Of- Don't what? tell me. I want it to be a surprise. Christmas music. Oh, I love Christmas music. All right. (laughs) The Edmonton Sport and Social Club is YEG's top destination for adult recreational sports. Offering over 20 different options, including ball hockey, indoor volleyball, pickleball, and now ice hockey for all you fans out there looking to lace them up for the first time or get back into the game after a few years off, like Strutty. Sign up by December 13th for the winter season beginning mid-January at edmontonsportsclub.com. Time to talk about your mortgage? It doesn't have to be a daunting conversation. With over 16 years in the industry, Maria Gallus with Maximum Mortgages knows how to make it easy. With access to dozens of different lenders, let Maria customize the perfect solution for you. Whether you're purchasing, refinancing or renewing, or a first-time buyer, Maria's simplistic approach and expert advice will have you feeling confident you're in great hands, making informed decisions. Take the stress out of your mortgage journey. Contact Maria Gallus at mortgagesbymaria.ca. That's mortgagesbymaria.ca. When you make a mistake, heads should roll. It's not right, and I'm here. Someone has to put their foot down. Now that I say it out loud, it does sound a little crazy. Guy, look good. <laughs> hey, I'm here. That's because I read, I read on this thing that it says that it's time for Strutty's World. Brought to you by. DLR Vital Products, with locations in Calgary and Edmonton. If you're a business or contractor, let DLR help you add vinyl fence to your product line. See why they've been going strong since 2005. Reliable, unmatched service with high-quality North American-made vinyl fencing products. Please go and visit dlrvinylproducts.ca. Struds, I'm looking forward to this Struddy's world. Lay it on us. Well, thank you, and uh, it's good to see you. I'm starting to introduce you earlier. I had a few other uh, plates in the in the air spinning. All right, let's talk about it. I love 
I love uh, Kristen's music. I've got a playlist that I, I think rivals anything that you'll find in the world. I believe it's about three and a half, four hours long. And somehow the worst Christmas song in the history slipped into it. Now, I'm not sure. I think I may have put it on. I think one night over a couple uh, drinks of port, I said, why not? Let's slip it in. It's a crowd favorite. I can't stand it. Of course, I'm talking about the little drummer boy brought to you by Bing Crosby and David Bowie. Now, I love David Bowie. You know, he's got like the star man and rebel rebel songs. Bing Crosby. I mean, if you don't like Bing Crosby, obviously you have no, no taste, but together singing that song, it is absolutely painful. I remember growing up, I used to have to sing that in my uh, various little Christmas uh concerts i had i hated that song i still like i just could not stand it i still can't stand it it is the worst christmas song now if people want to play it i can let it roll other people say last christmas by wham is near there oh they're in the same neighborhood but the other one is way worse so guys we're right in the middle of the christmas tunes we're out shopping loving it but tell me, I mean, I, I can't believe that I would be anywhere close with incorrect when I judge the Christmas music that is terrible in that one. Uh, my favorite Christmas song is the David Bowie, Bing Crosby song, The Little Drummer Boy. No, Swear to God. get out it, of it. I love that song. No, love that kidding. song. That's love that song. Best best two Christmas albums, Boney M. Yes. And Roger, and Roger Whitaker. Best two Christmas albums there are. I'm a big fan of Justin Bieber's Mistletoe. It just gets me going. I can sing that in the car as I'm driving. I love all Christmas music. I, I do. Uh, but I seriously, I love David Bowie and Bing Crosby. You that is a wonderful serious. version. It's an incredible version. Two genres coming together and singing a song, singing their own song. It's not, they're not both singing Little Drummer Boy. They're singing two different songs and they make it work, Struts. I think you're just, you're a Scrooge or a Grinch. Take your choice. Take Either your choice. One, Can you Tintin make him green right now? Make him green. He's a grin. <laughs> I'd have to think about that too much. My brain wouldn't. I could do it, but my brain wouldn't process it fast enough. Zuby, what do you got, buddy? Well, I don't. I wouldn't have any little drummer boy make my. T I have a couple of them in my playlist, which is way too long. I think I need to get a condensed one. Sure. It's in there, but I like the Johnny Cash one, and I actually like the Boney M one. And I'm. I don't. I have to say, maybe I'm out to lunch on this. I'm not sure I'm familiar with that. Uh, version that you got the Bing Crosby David Bowie I guess I should at least look it up so I can have an opinion on that one but it's funny that you mentioned last Christmas because right now there's a not the wham version which I do also like but there's a version I geez I'm going to blow this because I don't even know the artist but there's this female artist who does this really stripped down version of that song and right now that's my son when when I go to bed I have to listen to that song he wants it on repeat sure. he likes it so much I'm listening to that last Christmas and it's a different, it's a completely different vibe on that song. And I really like it. But I love Christmas music. And what's my number? Um, Walk Off the Earth, the Canadian band. They have mm -hmm, a really yeah. good, like, mini LP, like four or five songs with a few different takes on Feliz Navidad. I love Feliz Navidad. Mm -hmm. And they have a good uh, uh, Joy to the World as well. And um, yeah, I love that. I have it going constantly, Christmas music. I, I, my favorite Christmas song of all time is White Christmas by Otis Renning. He, it is unbelievable his voice is so good now listen i'm not going to sit here and tell everybody what to listen to but yeah I, you, you yep. just you just did like 10 minutes ago well i told them what not to listen to <laughs> and i said don't i said not to listen to that i know what i think it is also the video i don't know if the video just bothers me and i like like i like bing i like david boyd but together the video it looks i don't know what it is like 
it looked like someone just shot it with a camcorder, right? Over like uh, an afternoon of Oreos and uh, a couple of beers. Like it was just a bad, a bad video. It just, it really bothers me. And I don't know why. And I got this, I put it on Twitter the other day and people are firing back at me saying the same thing as you, Brian. You're such a Scrooge, such a loser. But I, I like, you know, it. it's I like, weird. I, yeah. It's weird stress because like last Christmas, I gave you my heart. And then like the very next day, you gave it away. Yeah. I just don't understand you. Like what happened? With that song? Well, I was trying to sing a song. It was like, that's that's Wham. Like, how could you not like that song? Well, I, I like Wham. Like, when they wake me up before you go-go, I can get down to that. But the rest of it, I, I just, that's, that song is, but I like George Michael. Big fan. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to have hair like him, but it didn't. Uh, oh, didn't yeah, work. that would be cool, too. Me, too. But, yeah, no, I, uh, they're every, have you ever listened to Roger Whitaker? Throw on some Roger Whitaker. Throw his, Chris, his Christmas album on. Oh, my God. It's the, it's the best Christmas album ever. It's old school. Yeah. And right. for and for full albums, Buble's Christmas album is pretty good too. Oh, Him and Shania Twain, White Christmas again. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah, together they're just incredible, absolutely incredible. Very good. All right, that was Strutting's world. Let's now slide into everyone else's comments. Everyone I'm sure else's some world. Some coming in about uh, sorry, Strutting's world. Yeah, I bet she's coming in now. With time for ask us anything. Brought to you by Matt Cheatery and Public House. Holiday gifting just got better at Match. Purchase a $50 gift card and receive a bonus $10 card and two Match-branded beer sleeves. Gift cards are available in the restaurant at matchpub.com. Matchpub, your ice district dining destination. So, Zuby, what are the people saying tonight? Um, yeah, let's get back to hockey. We'll maybe do a little bit more Christmas stuff too, but let's get back to hockey first. JL says third period was all ozone, but uh, all on the perimeter. How many grade-A scoring chances did they even have? And just to add on to that, ADN says... Opponents have been good at keeping Oilers to the perimeter. Uh, they either get tied up on the boards or forced pass through the middle that gets stolen. How do you create space in the middle? Uh, good point. Uh, part of it was the, the Islanders had a 3-1 lead, and they sat back. They, yeah. they, they, they didn't need to score another goal, so uh, maybe they, they sat back a little too much. But, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of the Oilers' chances at the end were on the perimeter. They had a couple chances in front. I mean, the only players that will consistently go to the front of the net for the Oilers. Hyman, McDavid, Kane, although you didn't notice him much tonight, uh, and Leon at times. But Fogel I mean, the Oilers... Fogel, Fogel yeah, yeah, but not as... I didn't notice him as much tonight. I actually know yeah. that I'd like to see, and the one line that does it all the time is the fourth line. The Oilers' yeah. fourth line always hangs around the front of the net, yeah. but tonight I think Hamlin got six minutes. They weren't. There weren't a lot of minutes spread around to the fourth line tonight, but they, more than any other line will play the proper way, uh, but they have a hard time finding minutes in the, in the top 12 for the Oilers. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, the perimeter talk I think is very fair, and then even some shots were from distance. You've got to find a way to get, you know, if your buddy has the puck to try to drive through, that can be a D-man jumping off the point, cruising through the slot and back out and exchanging, uh, maybe a high-low plays, just things to try to get the defense moving. When you're, when you're somewhat stationary on the perimeter, it's very easy to defend. That's the dream scenario for a, def uh, a defensing team. Uh, Kimo Man says, shoot the puck. Calvin Bess, uh, wow, they sure seem like they're turning down good shot opportunities for passing through a couple sets of legs. Leaky37 says, are they overthinking again? All those sort of tied together as it relates to shot selection. Is there, is there an ongoing problem there, Struds? Yeah, I'll take this one. And when, when goals are hard to come by, when you feel like you're being um, 
you know, challenged by by a goaltender, you got to find a way to get the puck there. And so, even if you don't score, at least it's just laying around in the slot, and you can try to get a rebound and beat them that way. I mean, beating a, an elite goaltender clean is a difficult thing, Browning. I think if you can find a way to get, you know, guys flying by in front or a tip shot or a rebound or whatever the case, I think that is probably more likely way of scoring on a on a goalie who's really feeling it like we've seen for the Oilers last couple of games well create chaos you know there's going to be a battle anytime you're in the offensive zone you're going to be battled why not battle in the blue paint because the reward is you're only three feet away from the net why try <laughs> make a pass across the ice to a guy along the boards for a shot from the outsider now the battles against the boards or in the corner Th- throw everything on net. the one thing that you've seen Sam Gagne who's a professional has been around a long time he'll shoot from anywhere and what he's not, he's not trying to score when he's shooting the puck. He's trying to create an opportunity. So if the goalie blocks it, now the puck is in there. Now there's a fight in the crease. Now we're going to just try to push that puck over the goal line. It's like a football where there's a scrum or rugby, a scrum just trying to get everyone across the line. So yeah, 100%, all those uh, people that are listening that wrote that the Oilers were turning away shots, it was really evident, especially on their power plays where they had opportunities to put pucks on net and they tried looking for the better one. Uh, yeah. Great example. The the night that the Winnipeg Jets and, and Hellebuck was on fire, what was the shot that beat him that turned it around? It was Darnell Nurse coming down, shot the puck from distance. Bad goals go in on good goalies, but only when you put pucks on net. So, yeah, the Oilers didn't shoot enough when they had the opportunity. Oilers maybe need to watch some Philadelphia Eagles football and learn the tush push or the brotherly <laughs> shove, figure out how to get something to the net. Um, uh, a little bit of speculation about where Ryan was tonight. I did mention on the chat, uh, just uh, he's having a family uh, family Christmas uh, get together. But Penner's pancakes had a or uh, he said Rashog was packaged with Campbell in a second to Detroit for Reimer. Stevie Y <laughs> said he'd eat the cap hit if Rashog was tossed in. That, that was pretty good. Um, David W says uh, the Isles had twenty five hits to the Oilers nine. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Oilers had shots on goal, thirty-one to twenty. But is uh, which one of those numbers is more important in the outcome of this game? Well, I, I think it, there's two numbers that showed the compete level of the Islanders. It was the hits and the block shots, and I think the block shots were something like twenty-two to eight in favor of the Islanders. Uh, so to me, that was the compete level of the Islanders was maybe a little higher than the Oilers tonight. Uh, they, you're not the the Islanders weren't going to outskill the Oilers. They don't have the top end skill that the Oilers have. So how do you beat them? You do all the little things right. And I think the Islanders, uh, for the most part in this game, did the little things right. They competed. They blocked shots. They got in passing lanes. They were physical. They took hits to make plays. Uh, and they played. The Islanders played a good road game at home ice and were able to uh, to just score enough. And then rely on a very good goaltending effort from their goalie. Yeah, to be fair, the Oilers had the puck a lot, right? Especially yeah. in the third period in the offensive zone. So you're not necessarily running running guys around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, uh, you know, I, I do believe you kind of set the tone. And we talked about it in previous segments about how, you know, going into New Jersey against a smaller team, the Oilers have to assert themselves physically. That doesn't mean you have to run around and take take care of everything and, and fight the world, but just be, to use your word, brownie, bullies, right? Just mm-hmm. be a bit of a bully. Push guys a little harder off the face-off, all those types of things that, you know, tonight they really didn't bring in much other, uh, enough. A couple more here, Zoobs. Yeah. Um, JLS, sorry, I was just checking something else. JLS, 
Uh, do you think we're going to see 29 and 97 together next game? New Lines didn't do much. They, of course, were together for a good chunk of the third period as well. What do you think is going to happen line-wise in the next one? Brownie? I, I, I don't think so. I think you will see them together at times. Uh, I, I think that most, most coaches like having Connor and Leon separated on the road because it just, it just gives them uh, different options. If you put Connor and Leon together, well, now that New Jersey, every time they step on the ice, they're putting their five best defensive players on the ice. Yeah. If you have Connor and Leon separated, there will be times where you're going to get either Connor or Leon against the third or fourth line or Connor or Leon against the third pairing defenseman. If they're together, the home team won't make that mistake. So I think there will be situations during the game where they'll put Connor and Leon together. But I think the Oilers know for them to be a, a good team, going to a great team, they have to have those two separated, which means other players have to step up. Kane has to be better. Brown has to be better. Fogel has to be better. They need more guys producing for them to be effective. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm not putting them together. I, I spot them together for sure at the end of penalty kills or whatever like that. But just you need to have them apart just to make the other team think that there's more hard shifts. You know, as a mm-hmm. defense, you're always thinking, how many hard shifts am I going to have here? Well, when either Connor Leon is on for, I don't know, 60, 70% of the shifts, those are a lot of hard shifts. You put them together, that number drops down dramatically because they just they're on the ice at the same time. Hey, Zuby, before you go, I don't know if you noticed this in the stats tonight, Struds, uh, going through the minutes. Uh, Evan Bouchard led the Oilers in ice time tonight. He had 27 and a half. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, right. Cody Cece played 17. Bouchard played 10 minutes more, which is a lot. They, oh. played, the, they, played, the, they played the same amount of shifts. They, oh, both had, they both had 20 shifts, and Bouchard's shifts were that much longer that he played wow. 10 minutes more. He averaged a minute. 22 per shift. Now, wow. part of it at the end of the game, they took long shifts and the power play and stuff. But I was giggling yeah. when I'm like, it used to be 40 seconds, hard, yeah. hard, and you're off. Minute 22 per wow. shift. Yeah. So, well, they're chasing the game, right? So just leave yeah. them out there. And then that goes from TV timeout, too, right? Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't actually break. But yeah, no, that's, that's, that's pretty 20, high. That's 27 high and a half minutes for Bouchard tonight. Yeah, good for him. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Yeah, okay, actually, well, I thought he was moving pretty well. Last one, Mike Smith wants to know, what did you think of the ballsy goalie pull with five full minutes left and then letting Gagne McLeod-Brown take a shift at six on five to give Connor a rest? I was all for it. You're down two goals against a goalie that's at that point had stopped 29 straight goals. Or excuse me, 29 straight shots. They needed two goals. If they're down one, you don't pull them that early, but you're down two. You've got a face-off in the offensive zone. You have your best line ready to go on the ice. Pull your goalie. Now, I, was, I wasn't sure what was going to happen on the next whistle when they had their second unit going out there. I was a little like, well, they put the goalie back in. But at that yeah. point, they're down to four minutes. You're down two goals, and they left him out there. So, yeah, I was 100% go for it. I mean, you're down two goals. Uh, have your best players on the ice. Create more scoring chances. What about you? Yeah, I like it, too. You got to you do it. I mean, what's the difference? Four one or three one. Who cares? Let's try to get one back. Because if you get one back, especially with a couple minutes left, now you're feeling pretty good about yourself. So yeah, I, I'm all for it. Especially it's situational too, right? Are you ozone face-offs, all that stuff? How confident are you in the guy taking the face off? All that kind of stuff. So I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I normally hate it that early. I think it's a little bit nuts because you're basically and you guys played the game, so 
I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about, but I feel like you're basically challenging the other team. We think we can score two goals before you can even get a shot on net from at distance. If you want <laughs> no. to, you can like, I don't know, but tonight because they were dominant, I, I actually, tonight I didn't mind it because I don't think the yeah. Isles even had a shot on goal in the third period at that time. So obviously they, they felt like the ice was tilted their way. Okay. Well, we'll do one more fun one and then Strutty, you can call a uh, gem of the day. Um, what's your favorite Christmas sweet treat? Ferrero Rocher milk chocolate. That's a good one. I'm going to go with uh, Nanaimo bar because I think you can have oh. that any any time of the year. And I love Nanaimo bars. So I got to yeah. be honest, though, all treats at Christmas. Uh, you know, I've, I've learned years ago that you cannot gain weight during December. It's there's something to do with the moon and <laughs> the solstice and all that. So yeah, you yeah. can eat whatever you want in the month of December. You will not Perfect. gain a pound. So, But Nanaimo bars are my secret weapon. Zuby, what about you? I always liked, um, I guess, I think it's kind of nostalgic. I can't believe you said Ferrero Rocher because I was going to do a Zuby's World asking, does anyone actually like Ferrero Rochers? Because I do not. I can't stand them. But oh, I'm, I'm all about uh, nostalgic for the sugar cookies with icing. My mom used oh, to make them all the yeah. time. Yeah. So I love those. And also my wife's aunt makes these incredible crescent cookies. And they're, they have... Uh, I'm not even sure what's in them, but they're dusted with like icing sugar and they're um, have some almond yeah. or something in them and they are to die for. So shout out to my mom and Auntie Lisa for their wonderful baking. Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, the Ferrero Rochers. We'll have a discussion about that another day. Yeah. That's too deep a conversation oh, for now. We'll be here all night. All right, before we uh, wrap things up, let's get to our gem of the day brought to you by Edmonton's most iconic home for everything sport, United Sport Cycle. It's the final days before Christmas and United Sports Cycles last minute Christmas sale is on now. Save big for the athlete or sports fan on your list. Visit www.unitedsports.ca. And I was just there the other day. I bought a, a couple sticks for my kids. I think there was a few other things on the uh, to-do list. Um, the gem of the day. Brown, did you have one in mind or do you want me to take this on? Uh, this is all you done. This is your show. I think before okay. we even go any further, you did one hell of a job tonight. Thank like you. seriously, I was very like, good. I was very impressed. clean. Yeah, very I'm, clean. I'm sure I'll get a full detailed breakdown via text from. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's manager. already been sent. I don't He's, already it, yeah. Yeah. He's already writing it. He's already writing it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Coach Knobloch, Nobby, as they call him, and I I believe he's right. I believe that the Oilers, if they get the second goal in the first period, the outcome's different. Let's hear. Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch. And then we had some chances to go up 2 nothing. I think if we're up two goals, it just makes that game a lot uh, easier, especially um, the way New York plays, very um, tight checking. And once they have the lead, it's tough to score against these guys. But, um, yeah, no, I, I liked our, our guys' effort. There was no quits and um, some breaks. Yeah, maybe it's a different result. Yeah, I think he nailed it there. All right, boys. All the music. I didn't even have to roll my fingers out either. I absolutely love it. I didn't have to give the Arsenio you Hall. didn't have to give me the guys, twirl. Yeah, I, I should have been doing it just to be like uh, a shogger. Well, guys, <laughs> thanks for this. Shogger or uh, Brownie, thank you. Zuby, great work, you guys. Any final thoughts? Again, wonderful job. Um, great show. I mean, maybe maybe Shogger will get back in next week, a couple weeks yeah. from now. He's on the IR. Depends how his body's hold up. And as he says, pound the love button. It's got to be the knee. It's got to be the knee actually kept him out of tonight, I would imagine. Tough knee. Can't get up. Can't get up. (laughs) All right. So we'll uh, be back on another pod on Thursday when the Oilers are in New Jersey to take on the Devils. So check that out then. Till now. Till then, if you like the show, tell a friend. 
ask them to listen. They're going to love it. On behalf of Brownie, myself, Zuby, and uh, Shogger, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again Thursday night.